The diverse teachings of the Buddha all outline various methods for training and transforming the mind. Historically, however, a traditional classification of certain practices, and the literature specifically associated with them, developed in Tibet and was known as Lojong, which means mind training or thought transformation. These practices and the related literature are so called because they aim at nothing short of bringing about a radical transformation in our thinking, and through it, our way of life. One of the principal characteristics of Lojong practice is the overwhelming emphasis it places on overcoming our grasping at a solid ego identity and the self-cherishing attitudes based on this apprehension of self. The self-cherishing attitude obstructs us from generating genuine empathy towards others and limits our outlook to the narrow confines of our own self-centered concerns. In essence, with thought transformation, we seek to transform our normal selfish outlook on life into a more altruistic one, which at the very least regards the welfare of others as equal in importance to our own, and ideally regards others' welfare as much more important than ours. The Bodhikaryavatara by Santideva is the primary source of most all the literature belonging to this category. I received an oral transmission of this text from the late Kunu Lama Renpoche, I myself try to apply this practice as much as possible, and also, whenever the opportunity arises, explain it to others. During these three days together, as part of our discussion on Buddhist thought and practice, I would like to explore some of the main points of the practice of altruism as explained in chapters 6 and 8 of the text, which addresses the subjects of tolerance and meditation, respectively. First, I will talk about the benefits of altruism and the good heart. A good heart is the true source of all happiness, not just in religious terms, but also in our everyday life experience. As human beings, we are singularly social animals. Because of this basic nature, we are only able to survive in dependence upon the cooperation, help, and kindness of other fellow humans. This fact may be more evident if we reflect on the basic pattern of our existence. In order to do more than just barely survive, we need shelter, food, companions, friends, the esteem of others, resources, and so on. These factors do not come about from ourselves alone, but are all dependent on others. Suppose one single person were to live alone in a remote and uninhabited place. No matter how strong, healthy, or educated the person were, there would be no possibility of his or her leading a happy and fulfilling existence. If a person is living, for example, somewhere deep in the African forest, and is the only human being in an animal sanctuary, Given that person's intelligence and cunning, the best he or she can do is to become, perhaps, king of the jungle. Can such a person have friends? Acquire renown? No matter how strong and healthy, can this person become a hero if he or she wishes to become one? I think the answer to all these questions is a definite no, for all these factors come about only in relation to other fellow humans. Even from a totally selfish perspective, Wanting only our own happiness, comfort, and satisfaction in life, with no consideration of others' welfare or the welfare of our own possible future lives, I would still argue that the fulfillment of our aspirations requires dependence upon others. This is an indisputable fact. Even to commit unwholesome actions depends on the existence of others. For example, in order to cheat, you need someone as the object of your act. All events and incidents in life are so intimately linked with the fate of others that a single person on his own cannot even begin to act.